emotions are like the weather and we are the sky. The weather comes and goes, but we as the sky are constant. This episode is all about the psychology of dealing with the metaphoric, turbulent weather of unwanted emotions and how you can best choose the coping strategies that will help you in the moment. Welcome to the Modern Creative Woman, exploring the art and science of creativity. This is the podcast for women who want to elevate their creativity and start applying creative thinking in their everyday life. I'm your hostess and creativity expert, Dr. Amy Bacos. I'm a licensed psychologist and a registered and board-certified art therapist. At the Modern Creative Woman, we are helping you, the modern woman, harness the power of creativity. Through our conversations and insights, I'll provide simple tricks and practices that will help take the mystery out of the creative process so you can start each day feeling empowered, creative, and ready to take on whatever comes your way. Let's get started. If you're new here, welcome in. Here at The Modern Creative Woman, we are helping women live bold, creative lives through narrow aesthetics, art, creative thinking. I'm the founder of The Modern Creative Woman, and we are on a mission to inspire women to use creativity in their everyday lives. If you're a longtime listener, welcome back. I am incredibly grateful to have you here on this audio creativity conversation with me. I just got a really sweet message from one of the Modern Creative Woman members this week saying that her life has been completely transformed by seeing herself as a creative thinker. And she went on to say her work and her marriage have flourished by using the strategies from the membership. And I love hearing this. If you are looking to make changes in your professional life and in your relationships, and if you want to live with more purpose, the Modern Creative Woman is for you. I designed the program to teach fun, easy strategies for living a more creative life. And one amazing side effect of living creatively is the ability to solve problems and overcome hurdles with so much more ease. If this sounds like just what you want in your life, and you're looking for an accountability partner, I invite you to come join me and a group of delightful, like-minded women inside the membership. The Modern Creative Woman membership offers incredible value at a really great price point. You cannot get this material anywhere else. There's nobody else offering this kind of creative thinking for women, and I would invite you to join. This week is all about choosing the best strategy for your present moment awareness and emotional regulation. We'll be talking about mindfulness, the concept of the thinking threshold, and three emotion regulation strategies that we tend to employ when we want to feel better in the moment, and I'll help you start taking charge of which one you're going to use. Emotion regulation refers to the ability you have to effectively have some kind of control over your emotions using a wide variety of approaches. And it's really critical that we have a variety of strategies because when we tend to over-rely on one strategy, it can make a lot of problems for us and the people around us. Naturally, some people seem better at regulating their emotions than others. There's a particular kind of intelligence called emotional intelligence where people are aware of their 
internal experiences while at the same time able to be aware of the feelings of others. And it might look like someone who is high in emotional intelligence is naturally calm. It's more true to say that these people experience negative emotions, but they have an ability to cope with them and self-regulate around difficult emotions. They're not swayed by them. Now, the really good news is that emotional self-regulation isn't something you're just born with or you naturally have. Emotional intelligence and emotional regulation skills can be learned and should be learned over time and improved and enhanced as we age. Learning how to manage our negative internal experiences has huge benefits for your mental and physical health. We're expected to manage our emotions in ways that are socially acceptable and help us navigate our lives. And when our emotions get the better of us, it can cause a lot of problems. And there's a lot happening in the world that can impede our emotional regulation. We're also really impacted by our beliefs about negative emotions and a lack of technical skills on dealing with our emotions. We also face stressful situations, and those can invoke really powerful emotions that we need to figure out how to deal with. When we have unregulated emotions, it can hurt our closest relationships. If we can't take care of our anger, we're going to say things that hurt the people around us or cause them to pull away from us. They may not trust or feel safe. Just imagine people that you know who are unable to control their emotions. It doesn't feel good to be around them. Those people tend to say a lot of things that they regret and they have to spend a lot of time repairing relationships or just finding new ones. The better we can regulate and control our own emotions, the better our mental health and the easier it is for us to take risks, enjoy our lives, and really think about our creativity and our purpose. Let me give you some examples of emotion regulation techniques. The first one is slowing down and just creating a little bit of space between the emotion and yourself, just seeing the emotion as something that comes and goes. You can kind of ride the wave of emotion. Imagine you're a big wave surfer and you're riding that emotional wave. It doesn't last forever. It crests and then it breaks on the beach. Slowing down allows us to take perspective and make choices. The second way that you can regulate is just noticing what you feel. You can name what you feel, and that gives it something to externalize the experience with. If you are feeling some kind of discomfort and then you realize, oh, you're upset. Oh, maybe you're hungry. Maybe you're angry. Just naming it helps us deal. Another important part of emotion regulation is accepting that the emotion comes and goes. If you had a big reaction to a trigger, you can accept that that happened and recognize that it might happen again in the future. Another very powerful and very well-researched strategy for dealing with our emotions is practicing mindfulness. And I've talked about that a lot on the podcast and I talk a little bit about it every week in the Modern Creative Woman membership. It's a core tenet of how we experience the world 
when we're able to notice what's happening, we can make contact with the present moment. And that's an incredibly powerful place to be. I want to talk to you a little bit about three emotion regulation strategies and how to decide what you might want to use and when you know you need to switch strategies. Now, emotion regulation strategies that we learn growing up are practical, they're adaptive, they allow us to survive in our families and feel okay about ourselves. It doesn't mean that we should continue using those same strategies. One strategy that the mind really likes to use is emotional suppression. And that's where we try and ignore the feeling, we push it down, we avoid it. And we can do that by engaging in all kinds of behaviors. Excessive consumption of food or drink or shopping, over-exercising, overdoing anything is a way to suppress our emotions. Emotional suppression can lead to anger, resentment. Over time, it can also lead to a somatic expression of our illness. And what that means is our emotions, when they're unexpressed, turn into a physical expression. Chronic pain, headaches, aches and pains. And in fact, symptoms of depression include extreme fatigue and muscle aches. Emotional suppression has no discernible benefits. I can't find anything in the literature to suggest that we should be squashing our emotions. Another strategy that we often use, we learn maybe in childhood, is rumination. And that's where we keep repeating the same thoughts. We keep mulling things over. And this happens often after traumas, upsetting events, and then, of course, it can extend to all kinds of things. Overly thinking about yourself, your performance, what you said, can be very damaging. It takes us completely outside of the present moment and just turns the spotlight on ourselves. that does zero good for solving any kind of rumination. is really, truly a terrible way of spending our time. It's a terrible way of letting our mind take over when we'd rather be living our lives. Rumination on a problem might be helpful if you're trying to solve a particular vexing solution for math, or you're looking at a particular new strategy at work and you're trying to figure out how you can implement it. Or you keep running the same ideas through your head, but ultimately you'll have to switch from that into creative thinking and different strategies to be able to answer the question. You'll also have to choose a date by which you will make some decisions. Ruminating generally keeps us away from the present moment and it doesn't really help us solve our problem. I think as children we might use it to try and figure out how could I do better next time? How could I not get in trouble next time? How could I be liked? How could I not be kicked out of the group? And it's a strategy that gives us the illusion that we have some control over others. And that's really like a, a self-soothing thought that we could do something differently and we might be safe the next time. The last emotion regulation idea that I want to talk to you about is cognitive reappraisal. It's essentially reframing what's happening. We give it our first thought, which is often socialized into us, or biologically driven. Let me tell you what I mean. A socialized thought might be, that's not okay, that's unacceptable. 
We might judge someone else, judge ourselves. A biological kind of thought is anything related to safety and making sure that we're still a part of the group, that we're safe in some way, physically, emotionally. Those are usually our first thoughts. But over time, we learn new strategies and we can use cognitive reappraisal to think about what's happening in a way that serves us, the story suits us, and it helps us feel how we want to feel. For example, shifting from resentment to gratitude can be a cognitive reappraisal. If you invite some of your friends out to dinner and at the last minute two texts to say they are unable to come, you can focus on resentment towards them or disappointment about it or wonder if you had done something wrong that caused them to cancel. Those might be your initial thoughts. But then when you do a little cognitive reappraisal, you can be really grateful for the friends who are meeting you out for dinner. You can focus on appreciating their company. It's essentially a reframe. It's really great to reframe if we're using that strategy effectively. We want to avoid using a reframe to rationalize poor choices, poor performance. If we get a negative review at work, we don't want to rationalize that away and say, well, none of this is true about me. This is all garbage. It doesn't matter anyway. That's rationalizing. A cognitive reappraisal would be, oh, I see some areas that I think I could make improvement on. I don't agree with all of these, but some of these could be really helpful for me. That reappraisal should be motivating you to feel good, think positively. A reappraisal should not be dismissive or rationalizing of something that happened. I found some really interesting research about cognitive reappraisal as an emotion regulation strategy. It has significant empirical support throughout the literature. In this recent article by Jennifer Villieu et al. in 2022, in the Journal of Practice Innovations, she and her team wrote about cognitive reappraisal and some of the challenges that people have in using this strategy. And what they found is that any cognitive strategy, any coping skill, that requires significant mental effort can be doubly difficult when you're experiencing intense emotions. Makes sense, right? They propose an idea called the thinking threshold, and it's a line of recognizing when our emotional distress has led to impaired thinking. I think of it as that tipping point when we're perhaps feeling upset and some intense emotions and then we tip into a place where we're not really thinking clearly anymore. Many times you can see this when people get very angry and they make rash decisions. However, it can happen to us with many emotions that feel intense. We reach a threshold of emotion where we're no longer able to really think clearly and sort things out, respond with intention. What happens when we tip over into that threshold is our emotions turn into overwhelm, panic, hopelessness, a feeling of emotionally drained and exhausted, or depression. 
And our emotion regulation strategies need to be very different when we've crossed that thinking threshold. It's necessary that we shift into bodily regulation so that we can calm down, slow down, and move back down below that thinking threshold where we're able to think clearly and we are no longer dysregulated by our emotions. So when we move past that thinking threshold, what the researchers found is that when we use behavioral and bodily focused emotion regulation strategies, then we can start to return to a place where cognitive reappraisal and other problem solving strategies can be effective again. Essentially, we need a lot of flexibility in our emotion regulation strategies. As I mentioned in the beginning, when we only rely on one strategy, we can get into a lot of trouble with ourselves and with other people. And even Sigmund Freud wrote about that. When people are using the same defense mechanism over and over again, it becomes a neurosis. We have to have a wide variety of strategies to deal with what's happening in our life. So what strategy we choose really depends on our level of emotional intensity. It's when we have high levels of emotional distress, we have to really shift gears and move into strategies that allow us to regulate our body. Let me give you a couple examples. Mindfulness is extremely well-researched and there's lots and lots of evidence behind it as a strategy for calming our body. And I always advocate a mindfulness practice that's about daily nourishment of yourself and keeping yourself um, in a way that feels good to you throughout the day to make contact with yourself in the present moment. But mindfulness can also be used when you need it during high levels of emotion. So if you're well-versed and practiced in mindfulness, you're using it throughout your week, then you can use it as a tool once you cross that thinking threshold into emotions that are needing to be calmed before we can use our cognitive strategies again. Meditation is another way that you can strategize when you've moved past that thinking threshold Meditation can allow you to calm your body. And you might use a guided meditation in this case instead of mindfulness meditation. So a guided meditation might be something that you listen to. You can find some videos on YouTube. You can also read some poetry. You can count your steps while you go for a walk. Another essential strategy to use once you've crossed that thinking threshold is breath regulation. And I've mentioned on the podcast before several breathing exercises from Thich Nhat Hanh. And the idea that you have so much power within you to self-regulate just by focusing on your breath. Breathing in one, breathing out one. That's a powerful exercise from Thich Nhat Hanh. And you count to 10. Each breath in is the same number as the breath out. So breathe in one, breathe out one. Breathe in two breathe out to, and go all the way to 10. And another recommendation for once you've passed that thinking threshold is to shift into relaxation that works for you. 
And I think of hobbies, drawing, knitting, painting, gardening, cooking, walking, things that feel good to you and allow you to relax, that you personally associate relaxation with these hobbies is what makes them ideal. I want to tell you a few strategies that I think can help with your own emotion regulation. And the first one is knowing your triggers. And we can all have maybe a big reaction to hearing something upsetting. But when someone is experienced trauma and they have a trigger reaction, they're kind of moving back into um, a traumatic state, they're checking out of the present moment, a trigger is pretty intense. So I would encourage you to know if you have triggers, to know those. If you don't have particular triggers into trauma, we all have a push button where something bothers us. And when we work on knowing those, naming them, and relaxing, doing the work around them, we can get a lot stronger with our emotion regulation. Next, I encourage you to tune into your body. Really learn to enjoy your body through all the ways that you can. And I want to encourage you to not push your awareness of your body away. If you have a stomach ache, pay attention to it. If you feel somehow uncomfortable, just put a little attention to it and then shift. And at the same time, you have to put attention into what feels good. Oh, does it feel good to sit up straight or to stretch your arms out? We have to pay attention to the positive aspects of our body as well. Third, tune in to the present moment and really connect to yourself as the context of your life. That present moment is always there for you. You can always tap into it. Fourth, I want you to engage in positive self-talk. Inside the Modern Creative Woman, I offer mantras up each week. And the idea that we need to consciously add positive thoughts to our brain has been well documented. There's a lot of research that shows for every negative thought we have, we need about three positive thoughts just to balance it out and feel neutral. So to feel good, it really requires a lot of time focusing on positive thoughts and positive self-talk, being gentle to yourself. A lot of women think that they need to speak harshly to themselves to encourage themselves. Or if they didn't do that, they would never get anything done. And nothing could be further from the truth. When you're positive in your conversation with yourself, you feel a lot more motivated. My fifth recommendation is to make clear choices about how you want to respond and not just react to what's happening inside you, that you have a lot of choices. Six is look for positive emotions, and those naturally flow from positive thoughts. So cultivating gratitude and its more advanced cousin, appreciation, can really help you feel better throughout the day. And finally, seek out professional help. Find someone who's very well trained and experienced in what it is that you want to change and improve. It's essential that we continue to have guides throughout our life. We have parents and teachers and mentors when we're growing up, and often we don't continue those relationships. Remember that human need to learn and grow is always there. And seeking out guides who've been there before you is a really powerful experience. Let me know what you think about shifting gears to regulate your emotions. What you need to do once you've crossed that thinking threshold is so different 
from what you can do to take care of yourself when you're still thinking clearly and your emotions are manageable. Take really good care of yourself this week as you're considering your emotion regulation strategies and starting to elevate them. Have a wonderful rest of your week. Now that you know about how to use your creativity, what will you create? Want more? Subscribe to the Modern Creative Woman digital magazine. It's absolutely free and it comes out once a month. And I know you can get a lot out of the podcast and the digital magazine. Yet when you're ready to take it to the next level, I want you to know you have options inside the membership. And if you're interested in a private consultation, please feel free to book a call with me. Even if you just have some questions, go ahead and book a call. My contact is in the show notes and you can always message me on Instagram. Do come find me and The Modern Creative Woman on Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest at Dr. Amy Bacos. If you like what you're hearing on The Modern Creative Woman podcast, I want to give you the scoop on how you can support the podcast. You can be an ambassador and share the podcast link with three of your friends. You can be a community supporter by leaving a five-star review if you think it's worth the five stars. And you can become a gold star supporter for as little as $3 a month. All those links are in the show notes. Remember to grab your free copy of the 21-Day Gratitude Challenge. The link is in the show notes, and you can find it at moderncreativewoman.com. Have a wonderful week, and I cannot wait to talk with you in the next episode.